Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and delve into the challenges and impact of each technology in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The INVOS monitoring system should not be used as the sole basis for diagnosis or therapy and is intended only as an adjunct in patient assessment. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise noted. The speakers are responsible for all content and any necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for this speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on the value of NEARS in clinical practice in the NICU. How can the use of NEARS be valuable in assessing resuscitation in neonates? To help provide insight into this topic is Dr. Scott Duncan, Professor and Chief Division of Neonatal Medicine, Department of Pediatrics at University of Louisville School of Medicine. Newborn providers are familiar with the use of pulse oximetry, including its use in neonatal resuscitation. In general, pulse oximetry is non-invasive. It measures arterial oxygen supply in the periphery. It's a considered a measure of systemic oxygen delivery and requires pulsatile flow. Whereas NEARS utilizes a mixture of capillary sampling, measuring the balance between supply and demand and is indicative of the in-organ oxygenation and, and perfusion. It does not require flow or pulsatile flow for that matter in order to make its reading. Near-infrared spectroscopy measures the real-time venous reserve capacity following tissue oxygen extraction, a specific region or tissue under the sensor. Here we see a sensor measuring cerebral oxygen saturation. There's both a shallow pathway, that is the shorter distance photodetector, and a deeper pathway, a further distance photodetector. In this illustration, the short pathways is subtracted from the deep pathway so that the tissue of interest lies at about two and a half centimeters below the probe. This is the tissue that's interrogated and avoids contamination from the skin, the bone, and the dura when monitoring the regional saturation of the brain. The brain is a high extraction organ and the kidney is a low extraction organ, such that the renal saturations tend to be higher than cerebral saturations. This graph is pretty busy, but let's walk through it. The x-axis shows time and minutes after the birth of this 24-week preterm infant. The infant was considered floppy, cyanotic, and apneic after delayed cord clamping into the marked DCC. The lines labeled CC were chest compressions. The question in neonatology is how do we know when our resuscitative measures have been successful? So let's stop for a minute and look at each line. The bottom blue line that you see is exhaled carbon dioxide. The patient will have minimal or no CO2 exhaled if the perfusion is inadequate. This is shown as a zero value from minute one to just after minute six. While this has the advantages of showing a successful resuscitation, 
It's a heavy device on the end of an ET tube that can end up displacing the ET tube. If we skip up to the darker blue line, black line perhaps, that's labeled oxygen saturation, that's obtained from a pulse oximetry. So in this patient with pulse oximetry, there's no value for that monitor for more than six minutes because it needs good pulsatile flow to get a reading. Also, just because the pulse ox may show a good saturation, the tissue we worry about, the brain, may not have enough oxygen delivery yet. Now, the line highlighted in orange shows the cerebral oximetry. Unlike the pulse oximetry and exhaled carbon dioxide, it has a value from the beginning of placement. It also measures the organ that we care about most, getting oxygen delivery to and during resuscitation, and that's the brain. Also, unlike the exhaled carbon dioxide monitor, it's applied to the forehead and doesn't risk displacing the endotracheal tube from the airway. So this technology we think may be useful in the delivery room because of these advantages. So in this situation, bag and mass ventilation didn't improve the infant's condition. CPR was initiated and the infant was successfully intubated after two attempts between cardiac compressions. Return of spontaneous circulation was observed after the second intubation attempt. Despite an initial inadequate arterial oxygen saturation of approximately 95 to 100%, cerebral regional oxygen saturations remained very low at approximately 15% until there was return of spontaneous circulation. That's why we think cerebral regional oxygen saturations may provide a more complete picture of whether resuscitation efforts are sufficient for restoring cerebral oxygenation and perfusion. Well, that was an illustrative case. There are studies that might support the use of cerebral near-infrared spectroscopy in resuscitative efforts. This study explored regional cerebral oxygen saturations in preterm infants initially stabilized with 30% O2 concentration over the first 15 minutes of life. The authors originally hypothesized that those infants who were receiving greater than 30% FO2 during stabilization following delivery would have relatively higher regional cerebral saturations post-delivery compared to those who were stabilized with lower FO2. Study was a single center prospective observational study of 47 infants before 32 weeks. Using near infrared spectroscopy, the cerebral saturation values were recorded immediately after birth. All infants were initially given 30% O2 and were divided into two groups according to subsequent O2 requirements of either less than equal to 30% or greater than 30%. They used a mixed effects model to compare the differences over time including looking at the area measured below 55% regional saturation values and above 85% hyperoxia between the groups. Let's walk briefly through the panels. You can see that A labeled is your um, pulse oximetry, B labeled is your heart rate, C labeled is your regional cerebral oxygen saturations, and D represents the period of time of low um, and high saturations. This is the normalized area on the left of less than 55% hypoxia and on the right panel, greater than 85%, the hyperoxic group. So 
the mean gestation was about 29 weeks and the birth weight was approximately 1.3 kilos, less than half of the infants required less than equal to 30% oxygen. Surprisingly in the delivery suite, the median regional cerebral saturation values in the low and high oxygen groups were 81% and 72% respectively. This is the opposite of what the authors expected. Patients in the high oxygen group had larger regional cerebral saturation areas below that 55% mark. And there was a significant difference between the regional saturations between the group with low group having higher regional cerebral saturation values initially, the differences changed over time. In the NICU, regional saturation values were lower by almost 7% in the higher oxygen group. So it appears that infants that require greater than 30% oxygen had more cerebral hypoxia requiring uh, than, than the infants requiring less than 30% oxygen. There's no real difference in the degree of cerebral hypoxemia, both in the delivery suite and the NICU, but it suggests that a more rapid increase in oxygen titration may be required initially for preterm infants. This study investigated the occurrence of periventricular or interventricular hemorrhage in preterm infants and its potential association with cerebral regional oxygen saturations during the immediate transition. This was a two-center perspective observational cohort study where cerebral regional oxygen saturations were measured with near-infrared spectroscopy in preterm infants of less than 32 weeks gestation during the immediate transition period, the first 15 minutes of life. In addition, arterial oxygen saturation and the heart rate were monitored with pulse oximetry. Cranial ultrasounds were performed on day four, day seven, and day 14, and prior to discharge. Neonates uh, with uh, IVH of any grade were matched to neonates without IVH based on gestational age and birth weight. So you can see in this slide in the graph that you have the circled lines as the non-IVH group the diamond lines are the IVH group. And you see the significant difference marked by the asterisk occurring by about seven minutes of life and extending through 15 minutes of life. Suggest that preterm infants who develop brain injury in the first days after birth have significantly lower cerebral regional saturation values during that immediate transition compared with neonates without brain injury. Differences in cerebral saturation occurred even when there were no differences in the heart rate and the pulse oximetry. So in addition to pulse oximetry monitoring during the initial transition phase, we think that cerebral near-infrared spectroscopy may be able to help identify those infants who are at risk for brain injury. And finally, what about the older infant? This study was performed to evaluate peripheral regional oxygen saturation and cerebral regional oxygen saturations during the immediate postnatal transition in late preterm infants with and without the need for respiratory support. This was also a prospective observational study using near infrared spectroscopy evaluating these changes. These were um, variables were measured during the first 15 minutes of life after an elective cesarean section. Peripheral oxygen saturation and heart rate were monitored continuously by pulse oximetry and cerebral fractional tissue oxygen extraction was also calculated. The two groups are compared based on their need for respiratory support. 
Those being a respiratory support group and a normal transition group. Positive pressure ventilation was delivered with a T-piece and oxygen was adjusted based on the pulse oximetry. So here we also see now four different panels. A, the upper left-hand side is pulse oximetry. B is the regional cerebral saturation values. C is the peripheral regional saturation values. And D is the fractional tissue oxygen extraction in the two different groups. So you see the diamond, black diamond is the normal transition group. And the open diamond, uh, open circle is the respiratory support group. Those marked with asterisks shows a significant difference from the 15 minute value. Those marked with a small cross shows a significant difference between the two groups. There were a total of 42 infants, 21 in each group, the normal transition group, and then the respiratory support group. Changes in heart rate were similar between the two groups. Pulse oximetry and regional cerebral saturations and regional peripheral saturation values were consistently higher in the normal transition group. And the respiratory support group, fractional tissue oxygen extraction values remain significantly elevated for longer periods of time. So this systemic analysis of regional peripheral saturations, regional cerebral saturations, and fractional tissue oxygen extraction in late preterm infants found significantly lower oxygen saturation values in infants who received respiratory support compared with the normal transition group. And the authors hypothesized that the elevated fractional tissue oxygen extraction values in the respiratory support group represented uh, compensation for lower oxygen delivery. So there's several different studies that suggest the efficacy and utility of near-infrared spectroscopy in the delivery room. I'll take you back to the slide, the case that we looked at at the beginning. Given the three preceding slides, can we infer anything on this specific case? Thinking of the first study, this infant may display a relative cerebral hypoxia requiring rapid escalation of oxygen delivery. Further, the infant may be at higher risk for endoventricular hemorrhage, and the infant may demonstrate higher fractional tissue oxygen extraction values due to decreased delivery of oxygen. The stable pulse oximetry and improving heart rate may provide a false sense of security in the ongoing care of this infant. So the question I leave you with, with the knowledge of the cerebral regional saturation values have changed your approach to care. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.